0: It's good to see you all. How was that worship? Everybody glad to be at church today? I know I am. So I, uh, my eyes popped open at 4 a.m. this morning, just excited to share what I believe God has put on my heart uh, to share with you all. And I am truly humbled to be standing before you all today. Uh, six months ago, I was a substitute teacher, praying that God would open a door, hopefully in a church somewhere. And here I am, Um, And I'm being trained by some great, great ministry leaders that you all are very blessed to have here at Crossroads Church. Um, So speaking of those leaders, I had a lot of help today in preparing for a sermon. Preparing for a sermon takes a lot of work. Um, uh, But I just want to thank everyone who prayed for me and helped put these outlines together. I jokingly say that, uh, but it's actually honest. If I say something that you really like, I'm probably just quoting one of your pastors that you normally hear up here. And uh, I also wanted to give out a shout to Oak Bend Church, my home church in Perrysburg, Ohio, who helped me out a lot with preparing for today. And so we are continuing on in uh, in the Church on, on Display series. We've been looking at some some of the one another statements from the New Testament. You guys have heard awesome messages about loving one another, being patient with one another, and then Pastor Matt brought a message last week on bearing with one another. And so today, it is my privilege and honor to talk to you about serving one another. And the whole hope of this Church on Display series is that we would all better understand how to walk these one another's out, so that we can be a display for the world—an authentic display of Jesus Christ. Because as you all know, I'm not telling you any news. The world is fearful, the world is discouraged, and they're looking for hope right now. So before we get too far in the message, let's ask God to bless our time together this morning. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you that we can be at church. Thanks for those that are joining us on, online, Lord. I, I pray you help us grow in wisdom on how to serve one another today. Speak to people through your powerful, living word. Please speak to us about any situation that we are currently walking through in our lives or that we may be walking with someone else, a friend, a family member. Just make this relevant to us, Lord God, and help show us how just like all the rest of the one another's in this series, we cannot possibly do it without being in union with you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray, amen and amen. Well, a little background on me, a lot of you may not know me very well, I didn't grow up in church, and so I spent a great deal of the early part of my life far from God, and it was pretty much the same story in college, but God being the good God that He is, He kept trying to get my attention, I was just too hard-headed to realize it, and so I had an experience about 12 years ago, okay, I'll be honest, it was more like 15 years ago in college, and I, I received my first Bible. And I brought that Bible with me today um, just because it meant a lot. I was actually having some quiet time this past week in my kitchen, and it really hit me that the girl who gifted me this Bible and wrote the encouraging note that she put in it, she really served me. And she did it in this quiet, no-strings-attached kind of way. It was almost as if she was handing me the Bible and saying, God, you've got this. I'm, I'm giving up control um, and I was too, too stubborn and ambitious and studying all the time um, to realize any of that. Uh, so I'm right there at my kitchen table last week and I'm wondering, you know, Nate, why did it take you 12, okay, 15, 15 years to realize that you were served in a really awesome way and why did it take you preparing a sermon on serving to realize that? Um, and so a little bit about my college life. It was very stressful for me. I'm a slow learner. And so I was always studying. I always felt behind. If you're a student right now, maybe you can relate. Um, I don't have good news for you. Adulthood doesn't get much easier. Uh, But uh, I'd see Angela, the girl that gifted me this Bible, and I'd be off to the library to study for who knows what, chemistry. And she would be studying the Bible with her Christian friends. And they would be worshiping God together. And so... After I had that experience in my kitchen last week, I, I started really thinking about Angela's life. I was too busy to get to know her very well. I was studying all the time and thinking about my life and myself. But I started thinking, you know, Angela was a college student too. Her life was probably pretty chaotic. She probably had family stuff going on in the background, back at home. Um, but she still had time and took time to connect with God And to connect uh, and to serve people like she did me. And to be honest, if I can be transparent this morning, I rarely connected with God in college or before that. And I rarely serve people. The only time I would serve people is if I was secretly doing it for myself or some type of service award or selfishly. But maybe for you, life right now seems kind of chaotic and busy. It is 2020. I don't know about you all, but I didn't finish the summer very energized. I thought that's what summer was supposed to be, a time of rest. Uh, And sometimes, if you're like me, you may be wondering, am I going to have enough energy to make it to Christmas here or not? And so I say all that because if you're like me and you're lacking energy in this season, I just wanted to put out a little disclaimer right up front because we're talking about serving today, and serving the Word just has all kinds of baggage that goes along with it. This is not a message about working harder. Uh, this is a, that's actually the exact opposite of what I hope you hear today. I want to encourage you when it comes to serving. So, because just like all the rest of the one another's in this series, when we serve out of our fullness in Christ, there's something in it for us too. And it's fulfilling and it's fun. And it not only benefits the people we're serving, but it benefits us too. Okay, so back to the, the Bible thing with Angela. Another thing I had been thinking about was when she served me and she gave the Bible to me, she didn't really seem to have any hidden agenda. I didn't feel like a project to her. But for me, if I could be transparent again, if I've repeatedly done something nice for someone, went out of my way, I I start to wonder if they're ever going to show me any appreciation. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you lended someone a helping hand and you went out of your way for them, and they didn't show an ounce of gratitude. Or maybe you've just had a tough time with people in general lately. It's 2020, and if I'm honest, 2020 has been a real test of my patience with people. So maybe for you, you think that people are the problem. And so if you're hearing a message on serving this morning, you might be thinking, why would I want to serve people? They annoy me. Um, My neighbors annoy me. My Coworkers annoy me, and if we're getting right down to the honest bare bones of it, sometimes our family annoys me. Why would I want to serve them? Or maybe you're listening to this today and you're thinking, why would I want to do something nice for someone? Maybe someone has taken advantage of your kindness. Maybe you're in a place right now in life where you don't even know who you can trust anymore. And you might be thinking, you know, I would serve, but what if it just backfires again like it did before, in the time before that, and the time before that. Or maybe for you, other people aren't the problem. Maybe you think that you are the problem when it comes to serving. Maybe you don't think you have anything to offer. You may be asking yourself, what could I possibly do? I would like to serve at the church on Sundays, but I don't know enough about the Bible. Or maybe you're hearing this message today, and one issue you have with serving is that you feel like you serve too much already. And you just wish some other people would serve so you could take a day off. So I take comfort in knowing that we are not the first people to struggle with all those issues I just listed off. The people in the Bible, they did as well. And so if you have your Bible with you this morning, turn, to, turn with me to Acts chapter 16. We're in Acts chapter 16. And while you're turning there, uh, I want to give you some background on the text that we're looking at today. We're going to put a map up on the screen for you in case you're a visual learner like me. And so here's what's going on. The Apostle Paul is traveling through the region of Galatia, and he is encouraging believers, um, and things seem to be going great for Paul. He's about to take the good news of Jesus Christ to Asia, but then suddenly the Holy Spirit tells Paul not to go into Asia. Pump the brakes, Paul. So Paul turns northward, and he tries to enter Bithynia. And again, the Holy Spirit says no. Bithynia is on the right side, just south of the Black Sea there. And so he says no. So Paul, he starts to head west towards Mysia. And you can see that line start to head west above Asia there. And he stops in the harbor city of Troas. Uh, Troas is starred on the map. It's uh, on the eastern side of the Aegean Sea. And so while Paul's in Troas, he sees this vision from God, and it's of a man in Macedonia begging for help. And after Paul receives this vision, he immediately heads to Macedonia to preach to them about Jesus Christ. And really quick background about Macedonia. At this time in the New Testament, it was pretty poor. It was once prominent, but at this time it's under Roman rule. And so in modern-day terms, we would call the Apostle Paul a church planter. He started churches And I'm guessing that Macedonia may not have been on Paul's top five list of places to start a new church. But he went. And I see an element of servanthood there in Paul. He has confidence in God's judgment and in God's knowledge. Paul is living out God's plan, not his own plan. And so for my note takers this morning that you've got the back of the bulletin, here's a fill-in for you. Sometimes we go where we want instead of where God wants us. And we try to control those outcomes of things. Uh, Sometimes when I try to serve people, I'm pretty quick to rely on my own judgment and my own ability versus God's lead. Uh, One time I tried to get a friend of mine to start attending the church that I was at. He was attending another church and even though I hadn't prayed about it or asked for direction from God, I just assumed, it's church. God's got to be in on this plan, right? Um, and so I got this grand idea. Here's what I was going to do. I was going to start attending my friend's church, kind of guilt trip him a little bit until he checked out my church. And in my head, the first time he checked out my church, he was gonna, it was going to be love at first sight. He was never going to go back to his church again. And so I attended, it's funny how we spin things in our head, isn't it? Yeah. So I attended this guy's church for two Months, two months. He came to my church one time and he never came back to my church again. Um, And so, needless to say, my grand idea failed. And unlike Paul in our text today, who cooperated with God's plan, even if it was a different plan than he had, I had pre decided that I had the solution all figured out. But Paul's willingness to change plans and go to Macedonia reminds us that when we're serving one another, We need to follow God's agenda versus our own agenda. We need to follow God's agenda versus our own agenda. All right, well, we'll start reading in Acts chapter 16, verse 13, where we join Paul in Philippi. This is verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God, As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home, and she urged us until we agreed. So on the map, uh, you'll see that Paul is in Philippi, which is a major city in Macedonia. It's got a star on it there, and it's the Sabbath, and Paul is heading to the river. Uh, Normally, Paul would go to a synagogue on the Sabbath, but Philippi did not have a synagogue, so the river was the next best thing, and that's where we meet Lydia. And the text tells us that Lydia is a businesswoman from Thyatira. It's also in the on the map. It's actually east of the Aegean Sea there, so you can probably tell that to get to Philippi, Lydia had to travel quite a ways from Thyatira. And to be honest, it sounds like she's doing pretty well in life. She uh, purple cloth wasn't cheap. It was purchased by noble people, and then after that, the text says, the text says that er, Lydia urges Paul to come back to her home, and the cool thing is she doesn't take no for an answer. She's a businesswoman, and the only other time that this same urging is used in the New Testament is after Jesus' resurrection when Jesus appears to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and it says that when it came time to part ways, the disciples, their hearts burned to hear more. And Jesus stayed, and that's the same thing that's going on here with Lydia, but now it's with the, the Apostle Paul. And as I said, she could have been in, in Philippi on business. Thyatira was her hometown, but God changes Lydia's heart. She gets saved, and Lydia doesn't see Paul as a potential customer of her cloth. Lydia doesn't try to sell Paul a purple face mask. Sorry, I couldn't, help, I couldn't help but do that. She has this authentic compulsion to serve. Now, if I'm Lydia, I'll be honest, I'm starting to think, okay, I got saved. I know Jesus now. But I'm wondering, how am I going to serve like Jesus? I have no theological education. Because for me, instead of focusing on the things I do know, I focus on the things that I don't know. And you may be asking yourself a similar question when it comes to serving here's the question. Do I have anything to offer? Do I have anything to offer? But notice that God doesn't care about Lydia's lack of theological education. Later on in the Bible, we see that God doesn't ask Lydia to stop being a businesswoman. In fact, Lydia starts leveraging her business to serve God's plans and God's purposes, and big things start to happen God ends up using Lydia's house, the same house that she urged Paul and his companions back to. God uses that and probably the money from her business to start the Philippian church. This is the first church in Europe. God totally redeems Lydia, and although she is still a businesswoman, her purpose is different. Another thing that I notice about Lydia, and I really like this one, is that even after she is saved and she has this perspective switch, She's still herself. And as we live out these one anothers like we're talking about serving one another today God I don't believe God wants us to change who He made us to be. So if you were born with a strong personality, serving one another doesn't mean you have to be timid or weak. Just like God did with Lydia, God wants to use our talents or our spiritual gifts. God wants to use our passions, our personalities. Our assets, and God wants to even use our careers, like He did with Lydia, to serve His plans and His purposes. And one thing that I forgot to put on there was God also likes to use our pain sometimes and our trials that we've gone to, gone through, to bring beauty from those ashes. And one of the coolest things that I get to be a part of here at Crossroads is uh, the men's small group called Every Man a Warrior. Shout out to Every Man a Warrior and the women's equivalent of cultivating holy beauty. I'm in the men's group, not the women's group. Um, If you haven't heard how Every Man a Warrior came here to Crossroads, though, you need to find Ryan Leininger and ask him to share his story. Ryan goes to church here, and I'll just share the short version of it, but Ryan's version is way better. Every Man a Warrior changed Ryan's life. He couldn't help but share what God was doing in his heart and his life with Pastor Matt Boyers. And that's how Every Man a Warrior got started. And God gave Ryan this undeniable compulsion to bring Every Man a Warrior here to Crossroads, and Ryan was obedient to that. And the next thing you know, Every Man a Warrior and Cultivating Holy Beauty is blowing up here at Crossroads. It's getting big. I don't know how many groups there are. And God did that through Ryan. And Ryan's a business per- person, like Lydia. One time I even asked Ryan if he'd ever consider doing full-time professional ministry, and he chuckled a little bit. I don't know what that meant. But uh, Ryan's story, it shows what happens when we do things from the right heart. Because that's when God takes it and he turns it into something that glorifies him. And it turns into something that we would never even dream of. It's just bigger. All right, I'm going to paraphrase verse 16 through 26. So it's uh, back to where we left off, though, with Paul there in Philippi. And so on another day, this is after Lydia had gotten saved, Paul cast a spirit out of a girl. Um, she uh, had the spirit that could tell the future, and she was owned by some wicked men. Well, if you, have that, if you don't have that spirit anymore, you can't tell the future. And so the men started losing money. The piggy bank started to hurt a little bit, and they, got, uh, they were angry. And that's when Paul gets into some hot water there in Philippi, And Paul and his companion Silas get arrested and thrown into prison. And in the process, Paul and Silas are beaten. They they get the tar beaten out of them. And so Paul and Silas are in prison. And they've been beaten. They've been treated terribly. They're probably bruised. They're probably bloodied. They didn't deserve the beating. And by the way, they were sharing the gospel. That's what they were doing in Philippi. I personally probably would have been pretty upset. How about you? But you'll never believe what Paul and Silas do when they're in prison. Let's read verse 25 and find out what Paul and Silas do in prison, by the way, as prisoners. So around midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners are listening. The next verse, I'll paraphrase, it says that there's a violent earthquake. It's so violent that the doors of all the prison cells fly open, and all the chains fall off the prisoners, including Paul and Silas. And so take a time out right there, because uh, we have a lot to unpack in that passage The big thing I saw in that passage is how Paul and Silas respond. Even though they're unjustly beaten, they stay connected to God. It said that they were worshiping and praying to God in prison. They aren't too honked off, they aren't too angry about being treated poorly to pray to God and worship Him. Verse 25 actually says that all the other prisoners are listening to Paul and Silas worship and pray. If I were one of those prisoners, I'd probably be listening too questioning if I'm seeing a unicorn or something like that because I don't know about you, but when someone has wronged me, oh, I get upset. I do. And if I'm not careful while I'm telling the other person off in my head what they can do and where they can go and all that, that's how I do it. I just do it in private in my head. I don't know about you. I start to allow my anger to move me away from God. Sometimes I don't even realize it's happening, especially when it's someone that's close like a family member or a friend, that's when I think that we tend to close off sometimes and disconnect from people, disconnect from God. And that's when I think it really starts to impact our desire to serve other people. But God wants us to do what Paul and Silas did. When we are hurt or offended, God wants us to move towards him, not away from him. I have a simple illustration of this. If uh, I lose internet connection at home, I usually go to the source of the problem, which is this little black box called the router or something like that, and I cycle it on and off or unplug it, plug it back in, and poof, if I'm lucky, my internet comes back. But when it comes to being offended or angry at someone, I think we do the opposite with God. Instead of going to the source, the solution of the problem, which is God, instead of pouring out my anger or pouring out my frustration to him I choose to stay angry and I disconnect and I move further away from God but like each one of these one another's that we're we're studying in this series serving one another should be an extension of Jesus working through us because I would argue that it's impossible to be the church on display if we get dis- disconnected from God that's that's where it can really go off the tracks Okay, so let's pick up reading in Acts chapter 16, verse 27. This is right after that violent earthquake that I talked about. All the prison doors are open. Chains have fallen off all the prisoners. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop, don't kill yourself. We're all still here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. So God changes the jailer's heart and he has this Compulsion to serve by washing Paul and Silas' wounds. By the way, this is the same jailer who had locked Paul and Silas up in the first place. Talk about a flip. One thing I see here in this passage, uh, sometimes I feel like it's easy to forget that serving one another is for all believers. First, we saw it in Lydia, who's a businesswoman. Now we see servanthood in the Roman jailer. I mean, these are two very different people, opposite ends of the spectrum. And so a common incorrect belief or misconception when it comes to serving, I think, is that serving with a godly heart is just for professional ministers. To say it another way, uh, I think sometimes we think that serving others is just for people that work at a church or for ministry leaders or for missionaries. That's what they do, right? Well, I would push back on that and I would say that Jesus has something to say about that. Jesus... He didn't say, the greatest among you will be your pastor. Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant. And that's Matthew 23, 11. Jesus, he lived what he preached. And I'm so thankful for that. Okay, so let's finish up our story today. I'm probably the only thing standing in between you and lunchtime right now. So we're in Acts 16, chapter 35, and we're going to just finish the story through verse 40. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. But Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. I think Paul is poking the bear a little bit. Verse 38, when the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia where they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. So Paul and Silas, they get released from prison. They're probably like limping around I'm picturing some of their wounds still oozing some blood. They're bruised and they're bloody. They've just been beaten the previous day. And Paul and Silas get a chance to leave town. I don't know what you would have done, but I probably would have been on the first train out of Philippi. But Paul and Silas show extraordinary servanthood here. Instead, Paul serves by encouraging the new Philippian believers at Lydia's house. And I, I like this example that Paul shows us because sometimes I think We hear the word serving and we think, oh, it needs to be doing something physical with my hands. I need to be really exhausted after I get done with it. I think a common misconception when it comes to serving is that serving has to be physically doing something. And I will admit that in 2020, we probably need to get a little more creative with serving. Um, But I would say serving can be as simple as sending a text to someone and asking them if you can pray for them about something or writing a card, or dropping off a pie at someone's house. I almost said my house. Um, But, all right, we're going to wrap up this morning. And so we've looked at three unique expressions of service, all of which I believe we can apply to our own lives. We saw Lydia, who leveraged what she had for God's purposes. When God changes our life like he did for Lydia... I think we start to think about things differently. We start thinking about reorienting our lives and even our stuff can become something to serve God's plans and his bigger purposes. For example, if you have a lake house, and don't get me wrong, I don't have anything against lake houses. I hope to own one someday in the future. But instead of just using it for pleasure, maybe you use it for pleasure and inviting some people up for a weekend of spending time in the word or in prayer with God. So we also saw Paul and Silas, and they responded to being wronged by not hardening their heart. They stayed connected to God, and they served. In the same way, when we get angry about something, we can stay connected to God, too. It's a choice. We can be the church on display to the world as we sing and we pray, just like Paul and Silas did, even when the world around us is is in chaos, um, I have a little bit of a parenting story for you about not getting angry. Um, I don't have kids yet, but I've heard from a lot of you parents that even though kids can frustrate you sometimes, or a lot of times, um, you still love and serve them. So, a guy from uh, the men's small group I'm in, he's a dad, and he had a long, stressful day a couple weeks ago at work. And so he gets home to find that his son had been disruptive at school, the D word, disruptive at school. And his teacher sent a note home. This is serious stuff. Well, the dad told us in small group that normally this would make him pretty angry. He would turn into angry dad, yelling a little bit. But because he had spent that morning in some quiet time with Jesus, he was able to not get angry. And he was able to sit on his son's bed with him and ask him what was going on and figure out what was happening. But the reason I tell you that story is After that, the dad in our small group, he said something that I think really ties back to our message on serving. He said, I wonder how we can respond to our kids like that every day without getting angry. And I'd say the answer to that is you can't without God. It's the same with serving one another. It has to be out of our fullness in Christ. And I I saved one last fill-in for you all, note-takers who have to have every little fill in, filled in. It's God is most glorified in us when we serve out of our union with Jesus. Then we also saw servanthood in the jailer who showed us that serving is for all believers, not just for ministry leaders. And I haven't had the pleasure yet of personally knowing the Shaw family, Um, Brian and Amy Shaw. I know a lot of you do. If you don't know, uh, Brian has brain cancer and he just underwent a second surgery to remove a tumor I hear that that surgery went really well, but the tumor that they removed was really close to the speech center of his brain. and so there was a possibility that this surgery could have affected that and affected his speech and possibly leaving him without the ability to speak. And so they had, i guess, I don't understand it all, but they keep the patient awake during the surgery so they can keep talking to them during the surgery. And uh, that's the cool that's the part that I wanted to share with you. so Brian is there in the operating room, and guess what? He chooses to share with the surgeon the gospel, Jesus. And uh, here's a guy, Brian, who's possibly not 100% sure if he was going to even be able to talk again. Talk about leveraging every moment and every opportunity to glorify God. And so I'd say serving is for all believers. Lydia, a businesswoman. I told you about Ryan Leininger with Every Man A Warrior, he's an accountant. Angela, from my college story, I don't even think she had a job at the time, 15 years ago, she was a student. So around six years ago, I randomly ran into the girl that gave me this Bible, Angela. It was at the county fair. Y'all, I'll be glad when the county fair's back in 2021, right? But I was able to share with Angela that since she had saw me last in college, I had started, God had started to open my heart. And I was a youth leader at church, I was working on giving even more control of my life over to Jesus. So I was able to share all that with her. And I'm not over-exaggerating here, but her mouth fell open. Like, she was shocked. She could have caught some flies in that mouth. It was open. Um, But seeing how shocked she was, it really confirmed. I walked away thinking, wow, I must have been really far from God in college. I mean, that's probably why she gave me the Bible. Um, And so maybe Jesus feels a little distant for you right now. We're getting ready to take communion together. One thing to maybe think about while you're taking communion today is your relationship with Jesus. Like I said, it can can grow distant pretty quickly without you even noticing it. But if you're feeling far from Jesus, here's the good news. You can take a step toward him today, right here, right now. Earlier, we were talking about what Jesus said. He said, the greatest among you will be a servant. He walked the walk. He didn't just talk the talk. Because Jesus became a suffering servant for us when he died for our sins on the cross. I tell you, Jesus truly gave God control of his life. And I'll tell you, as I've continued to try and give God control more and more in my life, I'm not perfect, but it's scary sometimes. But it's so, so worth it. I tell you, I have way more peace now than I did in college. If you don't have peace today, you can have that too. And so let, let me pray for you all, and we're going to take communion. Thank you, God, that we get to bring glory to you through serving, Lord. When I'm not connected to Jesus, though, I try to glorify myself. This whole Church on Display series, God, it's about being an authentic display of you, Jesus, to each other and to a broken world, a world that is looking for hope. Help us with that, Lord. And I pray for people that are feeling far from you. And I thank you, God, that you aren't very good at playing hide-and-seek When we look for you, there you are. You're always there, which is such good news for us, Lord God. Because we can't help give the world hope if we aren't connected to the only hope, which is you, Jesus Christ. That's when we glorify you the most, God, just like Jesus did. Amen and amen.